0: I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. You know,
1: I'm feeling like a consumer who's interested in the electronics (laughs) at a uh,
0: show. This show, this is now the Consumer Electronics Show. It's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've taken over. How was your CES?
1: Uh it's it's great so far. We're about 30 <laughs> seconds into it. <laughs> Reporting from the from the show floor here. Yeah,
0: live on my browser watching it frantically. When we last spoke, when I last spoke to you, it wasn't on the show, but when we last spoke, you were going yeah. to CES.
1: Yeah, yeah. So originally we had a couple of things planned. So I was gonna be out there for maybe like a day or so. I was not going to go to the show floor, but I had a couple of meetings lined up with some companies. So typically a lot of what I do at CES isn't just walking around, but it's actually going to like the suites and like having a meeting and, you know, like we'll bring out some laptop. Exactly. And that's usually where we shoot our content. Um, But uh, things deteriorated fairly quickly. And I think a lot of people pulled out, not everyone and sort of the show did happen, but I ended up bailing and Ken ended up going on a whim to explore the uh the ghost town that was CES.
0: So yeah, that was fun actually. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to a video on Ken's new channel called Danky, which is I'm really excited about. I got to hear about that when about that channel when I came to visit you guys um late last year. But there's that there was a very fun video actually. I enjoyed it a lot and, and it was wild to see. It's like it's worth watching even just to see what CES actually looked like, because I've not seen it, right? Like, all of the other tech YouTubers that I follow, nobody went, right? Um, I guess Ken took one for the team uh, (laughs) (laughs) and and went to CES. But it was, like, empty.
1: Yep. Yep. It's weird, too, because like so many companies pulled out last second, which meant that there were booths that were either half constructed or, you know, they had already paid for the space, I'm sure. So there was just empty plots or there were booths that were just sitting there with like nothing but like a table inside them nothing was for me lg had like this huge booth and they didn't have anything in it so instead they had like tape on the ground they were like hey this is where our 2018 oled wall was
0: it was like here's our hall of fame of previous ces booths like anyone would care about that
1: right Uh, yeah like fine
0: i mean i feel sorry for the person who had to come up with that idea and then execute that idea in that very short amount of time. Super strange, super strange. But, you know, the the funny thing is,
1: if you ignore the fact that the show itself was very strange, uh, the announcements actually were pretty good. Like, if you look at the amount of stuff that was announced this year at CES, I would say this is probably the best show in several years. There was a lot of actually legitimately cool stuff and, you know, the metaverse everywhere. But besides that, was this. really cool.
0: I have a personal okay. theory about why the CES seems so good this year. Because nobody went to the show, there was none of that weird crap bogging down the good stuff. Because mm, all the weird like crap the noise. is the stuff that you see around, right? Like,
1: Which yeah. is fun,
0: but weird. But now all we really got was, like, the big announcements from the major companies, really. That's kind of all yeah, we got. Yeah, yeah. So it ended up being pretty a pretty strong year plus you know like uh, I imagine this is for some companies nearly two years worth of stuff you know like maybe they haven't been able to launch some of their products last year or in the last year so they've got like a stronger lineup going into 22
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, so many of the things you see at CES aren't real products, but they're concepts, right? So a lot of those concepts, they're designed for CES. And if there's no one there, if there's no CES, I feel like it's easy to kind of hold that kind of stuff back.
0: I guess biggest concepts this year were cars, right? There was what the BMW e-ink car and Sony's car, which is hilarious. I just hope they install a PS5 inside.
1: Like that's what I want. I mean, look, if Tesla basically has a PS5 yep. built in the Model S and the Model X, Sony better give me a PS5 with my $50,000 model, whatever they call it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why not? <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it was it was kind of strange though because, so this would have been, if I would have gone this year, it would have been 10 years since my first CES. My first was 2011. No, mm. no, 11 years. Oh God, no. Yeah, it would have been 11 years since my first CES. Ah, uh, Mike, oh God, wow. that's weird. That's weird to think about. Oh! Don't
0: think about. Don't look into the age too much. (laughs) I've learned this. Uh, I was. Don't look too hard at it.
1: This is the second year in a row where I was like, "Oh, if I go this year, this will be my tenth CES." But now I'm just like, "Oh no, we're just gonna keep dragging this out." But you know what, though, some of the things I think were actually legitimately pretty cool. Did you see that Samsung remote that charges via RF waves? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so the idea with it is cool and generally speaking i've seen it on some super super low power devices but basically the eco remote it has like solar and a couple of other things but the idea is is that it harnesses like the you know the wave uh, the wave the wi-fi waves the mm-hmm. yeah wi-fi waves the Wi-Fi. radio waves from your router The Wayfay. Wayfay. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I swear, I didn't go to Vegas. I'm I'm here. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. We're all good. Um, But it takes advantage of those very, very kind of tiny amounts of power. But it uses that to charge the device, which you consider when you're using a remote. It's sitting there charging 23 hours and 59 minutes a day when you're not using it. Uh, it's a cool idea because you know that we've had sort of discussions and sort of, especially I feel like in the, I don't know, the 2016, 2017 timeline when there's a lot of hype about the idea that the iPhone is going to lose the port and it's going to be all wireless. Mm -hmm. There there have been ideas of like fully wireless, like room-scale charging. The problem is, is that it's like such infinitesimally tiny amounts of power that usually doesn't really amount to much. But it's kind of a cool idea for Samsung to do this, assuming that I guess it doesn't like... It's like your fi signal, weifei. maybe?
0: So, I mean, this is the kind of thing where, like, very cool, right? Uh, makes me feel a little odd, too, right? That, like, <laughs> there's just waves in the room that could power something. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, it's a very <sighs> strange feeling. Like, when you, if you don't understand the technology deep enough, like, I definitely don't. It's quite strange. Um, But I'm very intrigued by this technology. My assumption is to make this efficient enough that it could power a high-powered device would be really complicated, I guess. I guess, right? Mm. Like, like that that seems... Because it's one of those things of, like, you know, like, I've been thinking about this a lot when it comes, like, AR and VR, right? That there would probably never be an AR product that could do what VR can do because the technology moves along at the same time. So, mm. like, it's kind of like laptops and PCs is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, laptops get really sure. powerful, but a desktop PC can always be more powerful. And because those two things keep getting moved along together, the power always grows. So, like, yeah, you can now charge, if you get the efficiency right, this little remote via, um RF harvesting, mm-hmm, but you wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to charge a phone that way because they, it's always going to need more power than a remote. Does that make sense? yeah. What I'm yeah.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And you think about it, like, okay, so if I'm going to use my remote to press thirty buttons a day, it takes an incredibly small amount of power to do that. And if it's sitting there soaking up Wi-Fi, <clears throat> Wi-Fi rays, <laughs> that's
0: the official for the standard. Entire day,
1: <laughs> look, I'm just going to commit to it at this point. There's no, there's no turning back. Yeah. Uh, it kind of makes sense, but yeah, it's also one of those things where it's a cool idea and obviously no one wants to like change batteries and you know i think one of the big things is like oh we want to be more eco-friendly and we don't want you to have to get like double a batteries and stuff but also who knows how well it works and realistically that solar panel is probably going to do way more even with just a little bit of light that might be inside your room but hey you know what this is the kind of stuff that i like to see at ces it's cool it's a good idea it's taking advantage of the the radio waves that are freely bouncing around your house as long as it doesn't ruin my Netflix streaming or something. I, it, I, it seems cool.
0: It does feel like one of those things where, like genuinely, this seems like a smart thing to try and do more of because it does just feel like it would make a difference to the environment. Like less disposable batteries, right? Of Which course. Which seemed like is always a problem because... You know, like you've always got those things in like a Best Buy where it's like, put your batteries here, right? It's like your old batteries. <laughs> it's like, because those things, very hard to deal with, right? Like, so yeah. if you can take away that consumable battery thing and put this, it just makes, makes way more sense. And I like that it has solar and the harvesting thing. So it's just got the combo. I think it's just really cool, like for these types of things. Like I have, you know, like I have a little um, a light switch for my Philips Hue. Mm-hmm. And it has a battery in it. And there's just no reason that it should have a battery in it When if technology like this could exist. It's just like more batteries yeah. to get rid of. And then also, it's, it's actually just a great consumer benefit too because then you never need batteries or to ever think about charging your remote control. Like, yeah. I like it. I, I think this is really cool. It's like a weird little thing to be spending so much time about. But it's the first time I can recall ever hearing about... Re- RF a uh, Wi-Fi harvesting for uh, any kind of product that I genuinely I didn't even know this was a thing that could be actually done it's just a thing that I've always heard spoken about for a long time right like true quote unquote wireless charging
1: yeah and it's like especially when you get into super low power devices like this, there's a lot of interesting things you can do. Like, I know some of those Philips Hue switches, they're actually powered by the kinetic energy of pressing the buttons. Like, every time you click a button on the little, like, I think it's the the little, like, light switches or whatever, it uses that to slightly charge a little tiny battery inside. Like, it's interesting, especially as the power of compute becomes sort of smaller and smaller, and, you know, it can just be kind of integrated in all kinds of little things. You can imagine if you've got some, you know, baby 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 little processor that you know has a little wi-fi antenna in something but it can use that wi-fi antenna to also harvest just enough power to keep running there's some interesting things you could do the metaverse it's coming to the real verse i got nothing sorry all everyone's talking about this last week at ces at the metaverse i'm trying to be hip with the kids No,
0: i'm so i thought nothing i brought no metaverse stories to the (laughs) show And uh, maybe <laughs> I sh- maybe you're now over like overcompensating for this. It is. I've heard nothing about I, I have metaverse. lots of like realverse products to talk about that I wanted to get your opinion on. But do you want to just talk about the metaverse, is that it? Have you have you been no. inducted? Is there going to no. be the Austin Evans NFT series dropping any day now? No. It's just funny. Uh, that's that's the extent of it. The Wayfei has, mm-hmm. has addled my brain and I just <laughs> can't stop really thinking about it. <laughs> Wayfei, it's the product of the metaverse. <laughs> this episode of the Test Drivers is brought to you by our friends over at Hover, a new sponsor for this show, but one of Relay FM's longest running sponsors. We love Hover here because it's it's all about grabbing the very best domain names. Because when you have that idea, that one big next step that you want to take in your life, it's a great thing to think about around this time of year. Domain names is where that business idea will start. For so many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first big leap that they take. basically because Hover's the best. They have over 300 domain name extensions that you can choose from and a really great search tool. So you can go there, you can type what you're looking for, and they give you tons of recommendations. Like if something's taken, they'll give you some other options, but maybe you were thinking you wanted a .com, but actually there's a .net, which is available, which will work just as well. Or maybe you could grab something like a .club, something like that. There could be a great domain name extension there for you. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And Hover also have the very best technical support team To answer any questions you may have. They're dedicated to getting you online and not upselling you. I've never needed the technical support team. And I'm not like, I don't, you know, domain name stuff can be quite complicated. Um, There's lots of records, right? But what I like about Hover is they have a really great system that makes it super easy to connect your domain to other services. But also they have really great help documentation too. So if there's something I've needed to do, they have it all there and I can just follow it. It's really simple steps. Hover also give free Whois privacy so bad guys don't get your information. Just keeps your information private. And every domain that offers it, Hover includes it for free. Some domain registrars make you pay extra for that. They're doing monthly sales and popular top-level domains all the time so you're going to get great prices. It's super easy to see why Hover is a the very best choice for people starting businesses. Super popular too. I'm very sure that listeners of this show will appreciate really great user experiences, so I know you're going to appreciate Hover. It works straight out of the box. Their user interface is really simple. It's clean and easy to navigate. So buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash testdrivers and you'll get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That is hover.com slash testdrivers. Make a name for yourself with Hover. A thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So let's talk about some hardware. Should we start There's a lot of PC stuff, right? Yeah. It was a good year,
1: man. So 3090 Ti, we've got new Ryzen, we've got new Intel chips. I mean, I feel like pretty much everyone had something to show for it this CES. I'm su-
0: I was surprised by this, honestly, that like Intel, AMD, and Nvidia, they all brought new stuff or the announcement and some details of new stuff to CES. I just I just you know, like these days, it seems like so many companies they just like to do things on their own terms, which is mm-hmm. the perpetual problem of CES and will ultimately be the end of CES, is that <laughs> well, I mean, like it's the same as um E3, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. And it's you know, it's kind of like similar to why um Macworld stopped being a thing when Apple decided they didn't want to show anything off at Macworld anymore. Macworld kind of started to wither away because, you know, it's basically Apple would do announcements kind of two times a year at least, you know, and one would be at WWDC, one would be January, which is Macworld. This is where they showed off the original iPhone. It's why we just had the 15th anniversary of the iPhone, it was originally shown off at Macworld in 2007 or whatever. Um but that when Apple pulled away, Macworld started to have a decline. And you know, like I'm that is what is happening with E3 at least, right? Oh yeah, definitely. As lots of the companies are like either A we're going to do our own thing whenever we want, or B, we're going to do our own thing that happens at the same time as your thing, but it's unconnected to it, uh, it starts to pull away from, from E3's use. And so, I, you know, I kind of wonder if CES might go that way anyway. Nevertheless, lots of companies had things. Uh, what was really pulling your attention? This week,
1: I mean, the big headlining kind of thing was the thirty ninety Ti, mm-hmm. but Nvidia's also brought out a couple of other GPUs. In fact, actually, just this morning, right before we started recording, they announced a twelve gigabyte version of the RTX thirty eighty. There's yeah. also a thirty fifty like. It's a weird kind of time because both AMD and Nvidia, they're not really pushing these new GPUs. In fact, I think Nvidia hasn't announced pricing on the 3090 Ti or the new 3080. They're, they're more like, hey, guess what? We have more GPUs and it's you're gonna buy them and you're probably gonna pay way over MSRP anyway, so we're just not gonna bother announcing. Which, it's kind of weird because like both AMD and Nvidia right now really are in the position where they're selling every single GPU they can And so their normal kind of playbook has almost been thrown out the window, right? They're not worried about price performance or whatever. It's like, hey, every single GPU that comes off the line, how can we harvest this? How can we create a new SKU that's, you know, slightly more powerful or less powerful or whatever the case is. Like, it's just like every single GPU that comes off the line, they want to be able to sell in one way or another. Whereas before, you know, they would have the, the 3060 and the 3070 and the 3080, and they would have maybe a couple of like SKUs in the middle, but generally speaking, if a graphics card wasn't, or a GPU specifically wasn't powerful enough to be a 3080, it'd always be bumped down to a 3070 or it might not even be harvested at all. Now it's like, hey, we're gonna make every possible thing that we can get our hands on. Doesn't matter, people are gonna buy it, which is cool, but also it's very hard to keep everything yep. straight because it's just like, oh, I found a graphics card, buy it, the end, like that's the
0: review. And it's, you know, this is, I mean, obviously this is a similar thing to what games consoles are going through now too, right? Where it's just like, it kind of doesn't really matter what anybody does. They're all going to sell the wall because nobody can keep them in stock. but And so yep. it's it's kind of interesting really that, I mean, I don't really know what else these companies would do, but they're going to continue pushing their plans forward, right? Because I guess yeah. one of the things they've got partners that they're working with, right? Like the, a lot of these chips, they're going into machines, they're going into pre-built, they're going into laptops, and there was some laptop stuff too. But it's like, even though they kind of can't sell them, they also can't stop trying. It's a weird moment to be in for this kind of stuff, I think. Oh yeah, because if you're in a company, like one of your most valuable resources isn't
1: the chips that you're making, but it's the engineers who are making them. You can't just tell your engineers to take a year off and you know, oh, whatever, we don't need a new graphics card this year, whatever. Guess what, all those engineers are gonna leave, and then you're gonna be sort of in a massive issue, and you're just gonna lose all the sort of IP over the coming years because you don't have the people designing it. They've gotta keep the wheels turning, even if most people are like, hey, just make the 3060 I've been trying to buy for two years, but things have always gotta be moving forward. That being said, there are rumors that a RTX 4000 series might not be too far out which does make a little sense why they're trying to juice everything they can out of the existing three thousand series. Every GPU that's coming off the line they want to try to fit it into a laptop or a desktop or something while they can before new stuff comes out. what's the four
0: thousand series? was that for wait, for Nvidia Nvidia
1: yeah RTx four thousand really? yeah, I don't yeah, no come well, I, on. Dude, it's been a couple of years. Think about it. When the first, like the thirty eighty and the thirty seventy and the thirty sixty, like all this stuff, like, it's it's been out
0: for a little while. And you you yes, think so that I guess it seems strange? It seems it seems soon to me. Like it, it genuinely seems soon to me. But I guess yeah. what are they going to do? It comes back to what you're saying, right? Especially right now, competition is so hot. It's like a big arms race, right? Like mm-hmm. the Intel, Nvidia, and AMD are in this weird fight like because apple's there too but apple's not fighting with anyone else but like intel's fighting with apple i'll get to that in a minute it's a very funny story to me um (laughs) but they can't just be like we'll stop for a bit because then yep amd is gonna eclipse them and then they're gonna get their chips back in stock within the next year or whatever and then they've lost right exactly the timescales are huge on this thing if you pause for a second
1: you can lose years of your roadmap down the line. So, the original 3080, it came out in uh, September of 2020. So, you figure uh, you get a little bit later in this year, we're coming up on two years of the RTX 30 line. I mean, it's not crazy that they could have some stuff coming up. I don't think it's coming out in the next two months or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I would be surprised if we see RTX 4000 series this year.
0: It just seems so wild to me. Like, it really does. Like, I feel honestly, like, I just feel like we just got the 30 series. And I think. One of the reasons, like not just, um, it's not just the supply issue, really, like that I think is is making it a funny thing to consider, but also just the power is still so good in these things. Yeah, right. That it's it's almost funny to consider that they would need new ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, man, the the inevitable march of time, right? I mean, it is nice to see that they are bringing out like the thirty eighty Ti and the thirty seventy Ti for their laptops. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, It's cool. I mean, the fact that the 3090 Ti is like, what, 7% faster memory and 11% faster GPU. Like, I mean, they're just trying to just squeeze everything they can out of the existing sort of chips they've got. It's cool. And hopefully a handful more gamers or whatever can get their hands on this kind of stuff. But it's really hard to be objective and be excited about a new GPU. And it's like, if you can find it at a decent price, of course, buy it. But also the same goes for the year and a half year old version of this thing. It's like... I don't know. Like To to me, the thing that's a little bit more exciting is some of the Ryzen news because CPUs have not been anywhere near as impacted. So it's a little bit more like, oh, this is a thing I can actually go and buy on launch day or at least close to it. So I don't know if you saw, there's a few announcements, uh, which is a little confusing because they've got a new Ryzen 5000 chip, Ryzen 6000 for laptops, and Ryzen 7000 is coming out second half of 2022. That makes sense, right? 5, 6, and 7 all at the same time. But not Ryzen 5, Ryzen 7, and Ryzen 9. Ryzen 5,000, 6,000, 7,000.
0: Yeah? We're good? I am completely lost now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So let me start from what I actually think is probably one of the more interesting things we will work our way up. Okay. So there's a single Ryzen 5,000 chip that they announced. It is the Ryzen 7 5800X 3D. Now, this is essentially just an existing Ryzen 7 5800X. However, it has an additional bit of what they call V-cache. So it's more of a proof of concept, right? They're only bringing out a single CPU. They have not announced price, probably gonna be a lot. Um, But essentially, it is the existing Ryzen 7 8-core CPU, but with an additional 64 megabytes of L3 cache, which is kind of like added on top of the chip. So this is a cool idea because if you can start stacking stuff vertically, like obviously they've already had like the chiplets where you have a bunch of CPUs you kind of put them all together. But if you can start stacking like additional cache and additional things on top, theoretically you could add a ton more performance assuming you can keep it cool. So this is the first time they brought this out. I am strongly suspecting this is gonna be a very limited kind of shipping I think they're probably gonna have a pretty expensive price tag on it, but they're sort of pitching this as kind of like the world's best gaming CPU, because in a lot of ways 12th gen Intel has eclipsed Ryzen. So it's one of those things where I think next generation of Ryzen, whether it's Zen 4, maybe even going into the future, we're gonna see more of this stuff, but they're gonna have this individual CPU coming out at some point later this year, which with that additional cache should make a fairly big difference to gaming they have a bunch of benchmarks. I don't know how much I really want to believe them this early, but supposedly it will deliver somewhat reasonable gains to CPU performance, specifically right. for games.
0: So this is going to bring them closer to in line with current Intel 12th gen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Theory. Again, I don't want to trust the AMD supplied benchmarks. I mean, you know, it it looks promising. They said it's it's broadly the same, if not slightly better. But you know, it's it's always kind of you have to put a, a big grain of salt there, but. Having that huge amount of cash on board should help for some tasks. Gaming is probably the chief among them. But I think it's gonna be interesting to see almost more so than anything if this is sort of a technology that they can really work on. Because they've worked with TSMC and they talked about this for a while. It's just the first time they're actually shipping something like this. But it's a very cool sort of concept to be able to do three stacking of chips. So it'll be interesting to see. Then... We've got Ryzen 6000. So uh, this is also a slightly strange one. So they're using a slightly updated six nanometer process Mm -hmm. and it's a very similar CPU. So they're calling, I believe the Zen 3 Plus, but it's, it's essentially the same on the CPU side. However, they are now bringing RDNA 2 graphics. So AMD has been doing a great job with Ryzen mobile chips for several years now. However, they've been using the much older style of graphics that have been attached, right? They've been still using Vega graphics, and I think they're on three generations of it. Like, they've kind of kept updating the CPUs and leaving the graphics alone because when they first came out, they were great. However, in 2022, Intel's integrated graphics have come a long way, and those sort of Vega graphics were looking really old. So now, the Ryzen APUs inside laptops are now cutting edge with the best CPUs that AMD make and the best GPUs all in one package, which should be a nice benefit. Although... I think a lot of people are still probably buying AMD dedicated graphics for laptops. So I think it's like, for that, you're not going to see as huge of a difference. But for like Thin and Lights and stuff that are using the integrated graphics, you won't see any real big CPU performance. It should be a little bit faster because of the new uh, process. But Mm -hmm. for the integrated graphics, it is a nice bump up to where pretty much everything else has been. And this is also, I think, a very good look at what the Steam Deck will be running. Because the Steam Deck is using a newer style AMD, it's not specifically this, I think they're using a slightly custom version, but essentially mm. it's the same kind of CPU and it's this new RDNA, or the somewhat new, it's been around for a little bit, but the newer style of RDNA GPU. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah, that does make sense. It seems sense. like, it's not a hugely exciting thing, but it's one of those things where AMD kind of like, they update the CPU and they update the GPU and they update the CPU. They're not really doing it together, they're kind of taking turns as sort of the, the processes are becoming more and more kind of mature.
0: The one that intrigued me the most, and I want to get your thoughts on, is the Ryzen 7000 stuff.
1: Yes. So the next, next generation of Ryzen AMD ships.
0: are <laughs> just as bad as Intel now product <laughs> naming. Because yep. Ryzen 7 is not Ryzen. looks got like Ryzen 7 5800 that, you know, and then you've got like, Ryzen seven thousand Zen four. It's like I just I I can't. I don't even just name stuff.
1: I know. I and it's honestly a lot of the Intel stuff that they announced this year. Like because they now they have like the performance and the efficiency cores, and you have to like know like oh I'm going to get a Core i five which comes with four or eight or blah blah blah. Like there's all kinds of just sort of complication as far as what comes with what amount of
0: cores. But they've got a Core i nine coming that has fourteen cores. It's like what's the nine? I just assumed yeah. the nine was the core. Cool. Like, what's the nine for? I don't know. Man. It means it's the good one, Mike. You can't, you got to get the bigger
1: number always better. So, Ryzen 7000. So, this is more of like a pre announcement. This is not coming out until I think they said second half second of 2022. Half. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a while, but a few major updates. So, a brand new Zen 4 architecture, which should promise some improvements. I don't think they were super specific on exactly how much more powerful it'll be or anything like that, but new. Generation of CPU cores, also on the five nanometer process. we were making some noise about how it's like a an enhanced five nanometer process. It is TSMC, which, if you'll recall, I mean they've been doing five nanometer chips for Apple for a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. I think it's been uh, a couple generations of the of the Apple side. I know M1 was five uh, five nanometer, um, but it's 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 a more optimized version for CPUs and for I don't know larger, bigger, more power hungry chips. They also are bringing some stuff that Intel has already brought out. So they've got PCI Gen 5 support, as well as DDR5, both of which make sense, and a brand new socket. So one of the things that AMD has done a really good job of is supporting their motherboards and their sockets for a long time. You could have bought a several-year-old AMD AM4 motherboard and you still, BIOS-dependent, it's not super, super clean, but generally speaking, you can upgrade for several generations. That's something that AMD has done really well, very long-term support of their sockets that Intel has... Uh, they've they've upgraded a fair bit, uh, so this is going to be an all new socket. So they're going back to the LGA design, which is more like the Intel side. So you don't have a bunch of pins that you're gonna break off on your chip, which is excellent. Um, but on the flip side, you will have to completely buy a new platform if you do want to upgrade to these Ryzen seven chips. On the other side, though, it is nice, the idea that once you upgrade to one of these new boards, theoretically, you could still have several years of support. But with all the new PCI and DDR5 and everything, they're kind of doing a little bit of a clean slate approach for when these Ryzen 7000 chips come out later this year.
0: At least you'll know if you buy a processor and a board for it, you're not gonna have to go through the nightmare of, is this board (laughs) updated to support the current gen? of Ryzen chip, right?
1: <laughs> well, it'll be like that for about 10 minutes until Ryzen 8000 comes out and then That's it'll all true. be a mess again. <laughs> and they just mess it all up again because
0: they can't keep that stuff straight.
1: Yeah, but like, there's a lot of good stuff, man. Like, mm-hmm. I think AMD has a very good lineup. I think AMD has had an incredible run the last few years and everything they're announcing so far looks like they're gonna continue. They're not gonna be dominant the way they have been kind of over the last couple of years. Intel has kind of got back in gear, and some of the stuff like their new Core i9 and the the 12th gen, like, is super competitive, and obviously Intel's still a much larger company than AMD, but there's a lot of good momentum in AMD's corner. Between things like the Steam Deck, obviously they're selling every console they can. Like, uh, it's a good, healthy bit of competition. The fact that we have not only AMD, we have not only Intel, but also we have Apple really in the mix shaking things up. I think everyone is looking competitive, and there are legitimate reasons now to go with AMD, Intel, and Apple Silicon based on your specific use case, which is awesome to see.
0: Intel. Uh, I feel a bit, I feel sorry for Intel. It's just cringy, man. They're just cring- doing, they keep doing cringy things. So, Intel is saying that its upcoming core i9 is faster than the M1 Max. Like, that's, like, a big thing for them, for the Apple's M1 Max. They made charts showing how much faster it is. It is a 14-core CPU, 6 performance cores, 8 efficiency cores with a turbo boost to 5 gigahertz. And they show charts. You believe the charts? Yeah, okay, it's faster. Um, But it can reach up to a 115-watt power (laughs) draw, which you expect is that's what they're hitting at when they're hitting their highest performance, right? Uh, Just to compare, the M1 Max does 40 watts of power draw. So it's like, yeah, all Hmm. right, if you put three times the amount of power through the chip, maybe you can get a better result. But what kind of... Like, one of the great things about the, the M1 chips and the M1 Max chips, M1 Pro chips, is they achieve the same performance whether on battery or plugged in, right? And it's, like, just a great thing. You know what you can expect. These things don't get crazy hot. So it's like... Sometimes you can do things because it looks good on a chart, but like, what is the actual experience of the customer? And like, I would kind of suggest that maybe most people who need that power and would then therefore require a 115 watt power draw on a laptop are probably best suited to have a desktop machine anyway. Mm. Because you are sitting with that thing plugged in.
1: Yeah, you're not going to pull 115 watts on your CPU on battery. Like, that is a very bad idea. I mean look there's no doubt that this is a big jump forward right mm-hmm. like seeing the mix of efficiency and performance cores 14 cores is a lot right um and i think they're definitely trying to push like if you look at their chart uh they basically tried to recreate the one that apple showed off when mm-hmm. they announced the M1 Pro and the M1 Max which People should stop doing that because these are all terrible charts. It's weird graphs like, oh, uh, it's it's one point four x the performance of this thing at this. My this.
0: favorite thing <laughs> about this chart because it's like it's it's like zero to one hundred and fifty percent on one axis and then the power on the other, right? But my just my favorite thing about this chart is the Intel Core 9 12900 HK, which is what they're talking about. The line is just thicker than the other ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like the M1 Max and the Ryzen and the previous Intel, they have like really thin lines, like the the, the lines plotting the the power to performance. But then the new one is just thicker, and like I guess because they're just trying to show you which one to look at. But it's just like a funny thing to me. But like relative performance versus watts, like what does that? What does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? Uh, you talk about cherry-picked
1: data and mm-hmm. charts. Like, the only thing worse than this is graphs that start at, like, 90% to 120% or whatever. And it's like, oh, my God, look at this huge difference. It's like, wait a minute. You're not plotting from zero. Like, uh, it's, it's bad. But that being said, 12th Gen is a big step forward. Yep. And I do think it is a little bit more—well, not a little bit. It is more competitive than M1, M1 Pro, and M1 Max. I don't know if it's going to be able to match. Certainly, power, uh, power to performance is probably still going to be more into Apple's favor. But in outright raw like CPU performance, I can believe that Intel have maybe not fully caught up, but they're a lot closer. Oh, that was that was loud? I'm mm-hmm. sure you heard that. That was, really oh, that was the Intel train thing. coming into the station. <laughs> uh, uh, um, mm. <laughs> Uh, sorry Uh, Intel is great and they're definitely not outside my door right now they're
0: bringing <laughs> that's the fastest CPU they have they put it in that train and they're bringing it right to your door is there anything else on chips and stuff that you're interested in or oh, no because I have no. some products I have some products that were of interest to me uh, that I it. wanted to talk about why don't we take a next break and then come back and talk about some laptops This episode is brought to you by our friends at Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022, why are you still paying high amounts of money every month for wireless? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. Let me tell you, it's so easy to get started with Mint Mobile. You get like this package in the mail and you open it up and you just pop your SIM card in. You can activate everything like right there. Right, Like it's super fast and easy to do, which just makes it great to just switch to.
1: Absolutely. It's super seamless. And the nice thing about it is that almost in just minutes, you can swap your SIM card, get up and running, and you have unlimited data.
0: So for people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings onto you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for the data that you never use. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash drivers. That's mintmobile.com slash drivers. Go there now and cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month. That is mintmobile.com. Slash test drivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, you did a, a video that I've really enjoyed on the ROG <laughs> Flow Z13. Is that yes, it? Yes, sir. So, they ASUS played an interesting trick where they sent out. <laughs> <laughs> this massive tablet box surface thing to a bunch of youtubers and some of them you being one of them worked out you could open it up and find the actual product (laughs) inside
1: oh man i was hoping you're gonna mention it like that don't don't do linus dirty like that i didn't say linus you said linus
0: (laughs) i didn't say anything
1: okay okay so yeah so uh ASUS, I think, were one of the companies who, at least from my perspective, were really smart in that they had like a good CES backup plan. Yeah. Originally, of course, they had you know uh, all the, the products there, and you could go do hands-on, all this kind of stuff. But they also had a really smart move where they sent out a lot of their stuff. In fact, I think a couple of people actually got like their full lines just sent to the studios to take a look at early. And for ROG, they had this whole thing where they had like a metal boarding pass, and it was very elaborate and it was really cool. But essentially, yeah, you're right. They sent uh, it was the ROG mothership, which was this like massive, huge muscle book that was in like kind of a tablet form factor. They ship it, you're like, oh, here you go. And you open it up to like, wait a minute, this is not a screen, this is cardboard. And if you unscrew it, you find that they actually have the Flow Z13, which is a much, much smaller kind of Surface Pro sized laptop or sorry, gaming tablet that uh, is cool it's super cool it's a pc though right yes 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 so it runs windows 11 it's um so when i was doing my video and i was recording this before the breaks this was uh, end of last year i had no information whatsoever uh i just knew that it was a uh, engineering sample i could not benchmark or do a bunch of stuff on it and when I fired it up, I was like, "Oh, this is cool, this is cool." And I saw it had a 12th gen Intel chip. At that time, I did not, I would not, I was not briefed on any of the new Intel stuff. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. So I fired up. I'm like, Intel 12. Wait, how many cores? What? 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 And immediately it was like, oh god! Like I like panicked. So half that video
0: was just censored. Of like, oh, I can't talk about oh, mm, uh, my this. favorite part. I, <laughs> like an actual laugh out loud moment. It was like, what are you saying you like you were put in XL? And you were like in all the calls on Excel. That was that was very good. It's a video very much worth watching. Uh, of course, all Austin Evans videos are I'll about shadow without. But I enjoyed this one very much. Um, but it seemed like a really interesting product. I like that you could see into it. That was that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's got a little window. It's a kind of a unique sort of device because it's a super small. Like in terms of gaming laptops, it's really small, right? I mean, it is a tablet, but. I think a lot of what they're kind of positioning at, especially because you can get it with like a 4K touchscreen and everything, is the idea of using it. They had like a lot of like press images of like DJs and like creative people because it's like, it is a fairly powerful device, especially when you look at the CPU, which does have one of the H series. It's the i9, uh, I think it's the 12900H or something. I actually, mm-hmm. honestly, I blocked out of my memory so hard because I was trying very hard not to get uh, Asus and Intel upset me at breaking embargoes but regardless, it's got one of the H series like the larger gaming um, gaming CPUs inside, but it also has a fairly decent GPU. I, it's not going to crush games at 4K and 120 frames per second and everything but that being said, it is really powerful especially for something which is in such a small form factor I don't know the price, I assume it's not going to come super cheap, but It's a cool idea, and especially if you've ever been interested in like that surface market, you're getting a massive jump to performance. It's a little thicker, and it obviously has a little bit more of a gamer aesthetic, but it is a far, far more powerful device.
0: Who who who's this product for? Right? Like why would you buy this and not an actual laptop? Like, does this have would it have downsides compared to a laptop? from a power perspective, for gaming?
1: Yeah, so I believe it uh, tops out at a 3050 Ti, which is fine, but it's definitely more of like a 1080p is that kind of gaming. Is the
0: Surface thing? The laptop Surface Studio? Was it 3050?
1: Uh, I think
0: so. I think it I'm was. Not... I think it was because it was the first I'd heard of it. it. Was What is that product called? The Surface?
1: Surface Studio. Studio? I believe it comes with either integrated graphics or a 3050
0: Ti. Uh, Configure now? I cannot configure it. It's not letting me do it. That's hilarious. Oh, no, that's because it's taking me to the Surface Studio 2, which is a different product. Love Microsoft. I love their hardware. Naming. It's confusing. All right, so yeah, so
1: you can get uh, a 3050 Ti Ti. Right on the laptop studio. So yeah, it is similar, although I'm pretty sure you can run the GPU at higher specs. And obviously the CPU is far more powerful. It's an interesting device. Uh, Again, I think it is a little bit for like, hey, you want a Surface, but you also want to be able to game. And it also has not only Thunderbolt, but also their XG mobile port. So you can plug it into an external graphics card if you want. There's a lot of cool stuff, but If you're looking for raw gaming performance, it's probably not your absolute best option. I think you're going to really need to lean into the idea that it is a portable tablet, not just a super powerful gaming laptop.
0: Asus also had a product that I'm really intrigued about and I want to see more about, which is the ZenBook 17 Fold OLED, (laughs) which is now, don't get it twisted when you see this, it is a 17.3 inch foldable OLED tablet laptop thing but the 17.3 inch screen becomes a 12 inch laptop when in laptop configuration but as a tablet is a 17 inch tablet which is amazing i mean i'm really i'm genuinely really intrigued to see what people say about this cuz they so if you remember was it lenovo made one of mm-hmm. these right like one of the yes. thinkpads cuz i yeah, was just watching funny, i was just watching dexter like the new dexter show uh uh-huh. And one of the characters has the Lenovo tablet really? thing. Yeah, she's just like using it as a laptop and she takes the keyboard off and opens it up. I'm like, oh, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, for a while, I was like, why is her laptop so small? Like it's just like this tiny laptop, just because because it's the, the foldable thing. It was just very. It was just like a very funny moment of product placement, and like it's odd because they're also using like loads of like Microsoft devices in their show. It was an interesting product placement stuff, hmm. but but like seemed legitimate. Like I could imagine somebody in the like somebody having this in one of those. Anyway, but this Asus product, I think it looks cool. Um, like the design of it's nice. It looks very like professional and they've got one of those like keyboard goes on top of the half thing right so you can use it like it's a laptop or you can stand the whole screen up and use it as a big four by three by the way 17 inch tablet Mm. i'm just really intrigued about the form factor of it to be honest and the fact that it's a a flexible oled screen
1: yeah so I would highly recommend for everyone who's listening, look at a photo of this thing or look at some video of it. It's really hard to describe. I think you have to kind of look at the different modes and see because it's super different. Yep. I will say... Uh, this is one of the things that I was briefed ahead of time on by uh, Asus. And they, uh, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. They had like this whole gag where they announced it. They had some other name for it. It's like, here's our ZenBook 12. And they were talking about it. And it's like, oh, by the way, like halfway through the presentation, he like pulls the keyboard and flips it. I was like, just kidding. This is the ZenBook 17. I was That's like, good. oh my God. That's it good. was so
0: good. I want to see was- that. <laughs> I want to see that video, right? Like I want to see them do that it was it was great. They really should have no, like why actually not like that. bringing all the jokes. This year? What's going on over there? What are you up uh, to, Jesus? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. So it's
1: it's coming later in the year, uh mm-hmm. probably closer to like Confitex time. It's really cool. It's a little thick and a little heavy, and obviously the durability of a foldable OLED, uh as we know as Z Flip Gang members, there's uh, you know, some trade-offs that you have to make there. That being said though, it's a so Such a cool idea. Yeah. I'm really excited to get my hands on it. Seems relatively powerful, but it's really more about that form factor. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the price will be um,
0: astronomical.
1: It's unique.
0: I was just about to ask you the most stupid question, right? Okay, go for it. So you said, you know, like we don't show about flexible displays and their durability. I was going to say, is this a touchscreen? That was what I was about to ask you yes this is a tablet <laughs> what else it would is. you do with it <laughs> <laughs> you can just look at it what a stupid you know, question i heard
1: it also has Wi-Fi, so it's probably <laughs> the all-around device
0: <laughs> it's Ugh. spreading across the product lines all the companies are in on this it's a new standard uh 12 yes. gen intel core i7 u series i don't know what that means uh 60 gigabytes of spec. ram okay sorry terabyte storage uh and it has Asus's Screen Expert 2 software. This is to, like, split the screen and arrange contents better. Does Windows 11 help with this stuff anyway? Maybe not. Maybe not Slightly. Nothing, definitely out of the box.
1: It's not really meant to be used in a configuration like this. They're still, from what I was able to see, they're still very much working on the software side of this as well as hardware, which I think is part of the reason why it's actually coming out later in the year, but they're pre-announcing it now. Right, right, okay. It's definitely unique, but ASUS has done a lot of work with their dual-screen laptops, so I think it will be kind of somewhat similar. Tons of questions about this one, honestly. Um, I think I'm a little concerned, even though it's a 12-inch laptop, It is thick and it's heavy, right? Like there's, uh, I was talking with them, some of the things that make it heavy are just the backing of the OLED, right? Like it's a whole thing. Cause you imagine Mm. like, you know, like you look at like the Z Fold specifically, that's a pretty big heavy phone. And for much the same reason, the OLED is fine. It's thin and it's, it's small, but you have to have a backing panel and the hinge. And there's a lot of sort of support that needs to go into it. Well, when you scale that up to a 17 inch tablet, it gets to be pretty uh, pretty Chungus-y, as the kids say. So I'm excited. I'm excited to try it. Look, I got got it in there. You can't edit it out. I'm not going to stop talking now. Uh, I'm excited to try this thing. It is super cool, but
0: a lot of questions. I feel like you're the only person still saying Chungus at this point. (laughs) And that may have been the first time I've ever said that word just then.
1: Yes! Yes, we got it Say, on tape.
0: Got, got It's him.
1: over. It's done.
0: This is the whole show has been a he- like a heist <laughs> situation to get me. To, it's like a whole punk situation. Oh god. I would like to now bring back to the show big fan of the show, big 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 product fan of the Dell XPS line Austin Evans. Hi Austin Evans. Welcome back. Noted. Thank you. Dell Thank XPS you. fanboy from back in the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. I would like to talk to you about Dell's new XPS 13 because it seems like... (laughs) (laughs) It seems like Dell have kind of lost the plot over there a little bit. Uh, It feels to Uh, me... You can tell me what you mm, think. I want to give you some mm. of the highlights of the Dell XPS 13. It has two things. uh, A few things, actually. It's interesting to me. So they have bought a capacitive function row, and as friend of the show Quinn Nelson says, which is basically a touch bar knockoff with none of the benefits and all of the downsides... (laughs) Because it is a selection, it's just a, like a strip across the top of the laptop, which is just capacitive buttons for volume and all that kind of stuff. But you can't change them or customize them. They're just, like you just touch them and it will do things. But the things that it will do are only the things that it can do. Then the keyboard is completely flush now with the case, but they say still has a millimeter of travel. Looks weird, but apparently, according to Monica Chin at The Verge, still actually feels good to use, and the keys are nice and spread out. But in the thing that, honestly, the non-touchbar touchbar is one thing, but there is a new trackpad they're calling the Haptic Force Pad. Austin, can you tell me where the Haptic Force Pad is on this laptop?
1: yeah. You know, the bottom middle ish. Uh it's there's no lines. There's, there's no, no line. uh, look, this laptop again, okay, I feel like a lot of the show this year, or this year, today, is like you gotta look at some of the stuff because it's hard to describe. To me, this laptop is like what we assumed we would be using. Like this looks like straight out of like minority report or something yes. because it is so clean and so simple to the point where, yeah, the, the touchpad exists somewhere. You have to know where it is though, because there's literally there's no, no visual cue whatsoever
0: and like to put this into perspective they are effectively doing the same kind of thing that apple does right so like yep. it is a an area where you press down and it's just using haptic motors to simulate a pushback on you but like one th- there's a couple of things here one apple has the trackpad right you know where it is in theory they could do what they done they could hide it but they use the glass top so it feels nice to use now i'm wondering yep. is it all glass you reckon that top part panel because they've also got the I... capacitive area, right? So, like, what is covering it? So, one, how is that going to feel? Like, I, I have no idea what's actually covering that area. And I, I will ask for both of these things. Why? Why, though? Why? Like, <sighs> is it just to make something look futuristic? I don't... This is just one of those things where it's like, I feel like they've maybe gone a little bit too far. It, it kind of... This design, to me, screams... Just because we can. Yes, 100%. I think that's exactly what it is. Like, it looks cool.
1: And I'm sure once you get used to it, it's fine. I mean, the touch bar thing is kind of dumb. Like, I just don't understand the advantage of that. Uh, uh, Same thing with a touch pad, too. I mean, both of these things are fine, I guess. uh... It just really seems like they're trying to push the envelope on the look of this thing as far as possible. Like this feels like it's like a concept car that they just sort of made to production. I and mean, like this was like this idea that a designer had, like, "Hey, let's make a super thin, cool, completely clean-looking laptop." And to be fair, they accomplished that. I think it looks great, and I haven't tried it, so
0: maybe it's great to use. But
1: uh, mm, yeah, some I questionable decisions.
0: You. Looks really nice, like, but I cannot imagine. It is great to use, yeah. Because yeah, the capacitive tu- that that capacitive bar is going to have all of the problems of the touch. Like it, it has all of the problems of the touch bar, in that you can accidentally press things, than just by having your fingers like in the wrong area, but with mm-hmm. none of the customizability.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it's it's so basic. It is so basic. I don't get it. I'm more concerned though about that touchpad not knowing where the touchpad is. And like, like you said, maybe it's a glass surface on the bottom, but if it's a glass surface on the bottom, I don't know if I want my hands across the whole thing too. If it's matte, maybe, but then, I don't know. I I feel like I need to try it. I don't want to be too harsh on it, mm-hmm. but it does seem like the definition of form over function in yep. a way that it's probably sacrificing some of the usability that the XPSs have traditionally been great with, right? Like I've really, really been a fan of XPS 13 design. Like I've used it I've daily it in the past. Like it's a very very well designed, super thin, super sort of modern feeling laptop. And this looks super modern, but ah mm, yeah, they uh they're pushing the envelope on this one. All
0: right. <laughs> sure but that you're not really sure where they're pushing on the envelope, yeah. but they <laughs> are just somewhere. pushing it. It just generally pushing the envelope. Last thing, PlayStation VR2.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I guess it shouldn't have been a big surprise that they talked about this because they've been kind of talking about a new version of PSVR for a
0: long time, but yep. we actually got some specs. And a name, uh, a name. the name. PlayStation VR 2 was the name. Sense controllers are the name for the controllers. Uh, some of this stuff we've got before, but just as a refresh, haptic feedback, 4K HDR, 90 to 120 hertz, eye tracking, foveated rendering. This basically means that with eye tracking, they only have to render what you're looking at which is a way to Very save cool. on on processing this is really cool 110 degree field of view one usbc cable to connect to the ps5 i mean
1: uh, that is an excellent lineup of specs right, right. um I, mike how much vr do you do like do you spend a lot of time in vr i think you have a Quests. I have or a, do you? an
0: OG quest. Yeah, not the Quest Two. Um, it goes in fits and spurts for me, depending on software availability, which is like no different mm-hmm. to me of console gaming, right? Like I yeah. feel like at this point I have played and gotten enough out of all of the VR games that I would want to play on the Quest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not. I don't know if there's stuff. There's new stuff for me that I'm really that mega interested in. But that's not to say I wouldn't, right? So like a new game pops up, like there's you know, like something like a new Beat Saber, you know, like a new super hot, like, oh, there's this new game and everyone's going crazy for it. Like I would I would pick up my quest, buy it, and try it. I'm maybe a little bit more intrigued about this than say a, a Oculus or like what a Quest Pro or whatever. Just mm-hmm. because I have faith in PlayStation's ability to create good gaming experiences. They showed off a Horizon VR game. Yeah. And what I would say is this hardware suggests to me that they are going to push this harder than the OG PSVR. Because they're going really heavy on this from a specs perspective. Maybe in a way, like in some areas where I don't know if they needed to, but they're doing it. And so that would suggest to me that they're going to all of their first-party studios and saying, like, we want to have the best VR games. Like, in a way that people... I'm, I'm going to say it. PlayStation has the best games right now. Stuff's sure, changing, sure. right? But, like, first-party titles, currently PlayStation has the best ones. And I imagine Sony are seeing the huge competition they have got now with Xbox like that Microsoft is really rounding a corner on things and doing some interesting stuff and they're looking at Microsoft's VR strategy which there doesn't appear to be one and they're like alright yep. we're going to attack this area and we're going to own it like when it comes to like the best VR games will have them so it's intriguing to me uh, to me VR right now fits pretty neatly into
1: two camps You've got the fully wireless Quest, Quest 2, which obviously you can connect to your PC and you can get kind of that full quote unquote real VR experience on your PC. But honestly, the quest, the quest two, quest two specifically, I think does a great job of doing that sort of completely standalone VR in a way that works completely fine. Right? I think it's 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 good enough and it's fine. Then on the flip side, you've got those more professional, like real user setups where you know you've got like a full, you know, motion simulator racing sim or stuff that you need that sort of real horsepower for that you're connecting to a PC, right? Both of these, I think, are legitimate real uses for VR. that are going to continue to sort of gain prominence in the years ahead. PSVR 2 doesn't fit in either of those camps to me, right? You have to be connected to a PS5. But you're not going to be using your PS5 to play iRacing or, or some of the more really extreme over-the-top, super-powerful kind of things, right? So it's like, it feels like it's sort of this weird middle ground. And yes, there will be a lot of great Sony first-party titles. But outside of that, and looking at these specs, it's not gonna be cheap. I'm not super convinced by VR2. I, I, I get that it's a thing. I get that if anyone's gonna pull this off, it does make sense for Sony to do it, especially considering that this feels like that's their next quarter, like, almost Gen 1.5 kind of update for the PS5. is like, hey, we can do all these PS5 games and PSVR, something you can't do elsewhere. Yep. But I'm just, I don't know, man. I feel like the Quest 2 is so good. And you look at the kind of the extreme angle of the, of the PC side of things. Both of those seem just really entrenched and sort of, there's a really clear path forward. This almost feels like Sony is really investing heavily in something. And they're really going to have to blaze their own trail here because... I don't see a natural fit for it. I'll be super excited to try it and make videos and all this kind of stuff, but it just doesn't have the natural market fit that I think a lot of the other VR stuff that's really kind of settled into some real maturity over the last few years has actually gotten. So I'll be curious to see, but I I don't have a warm fuzzy about this one. I, I don't know.